0: Case number 21-3942, Southern Iowa, United States, versus Donnie Spencer. I see
1: what Judge Kelly meant when she said she thought she was going to have to... Mr. Neiman? Is it Neiman or Nyman? Neiman? Right. Neiman. I see you're also appointed by the under the Criminal Justice Act, and the court appreciates you're taking that uh, task.
2: I appreciate the appointment. Good morning, Your Honors. Uh, May it please the court. My name is Nate Neiman, and I represent Donnie Spencer in this appeal. Uh, Donnie is a 70-year-old, lifelong uh, drug addict. He was addicted to heroin for a number of years, and uh, he began selling heroin and crack cocaine in the Quad Cities. And eventually, uh, police began investigating him in connection with a conspiracy to distribute crack cocaine and heroin with his nephew. And eventually they arrested Mr. Heroin, I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, Spencer, when they uh, seized heroin and crack cocaine uh, from his home. And while uh, he was in the custody of police, they asked him about uh, a woman named Cosetta Manley, uh, who, according to an officer that testified at trial was Spencer's girlfriend or, quote, just a female he knows. And specifically what they were interested in is what they would find in Manley's home, which turned out to be ammunition.
0: And what a- did I know that he mentions a safe and a key. Did he always use singular when he referred to the safe, or did he ever say safes?
2: Your Honor, he, he only used singular. In fact, um, on page 106 of the trial record, the officer states that he told me in his bedroom there would be a safe, and he thought that there was a weapon in there, but he wasn't a hundred percent sure what kind. And when uh, confronted later, after they discovered that there was two safes, uh, that the key that uh, he had indirectly given officers from Miss Sanders' keychain didn't open up uh, both safes. Uh, When they confronted him with that fact, he responded that he hadn't accessed the safe in approximately two years and had actually physically seen the guns there and then could not recall if he possibly sold them. Uh, And that's at page 193 of the trial record. So
0: So they went back and asked him after they found two safes, and he... Didn't engage in a conversation about safe number two.
2: He didn't, and that's one of the the things that uh, that makes the uh, the knowledge uh, element here with respect to constructive possession so difficult for the government to prove.
0: But h- am I remembering correctly that uh, his social security card was found in the safe in question, or pa- papers with his name on it?
2: Well, actually, your honor, uh, the papers that were located in the safe actually belonged to Wendy Sanders, who was, unlike Co- Cosetta Manley, uh, kind of a uh, uh, intermittent girlfriend. Uh, Miss Sanders was his live-in girlfriend, and it was her paperwork that was found in the safe. It was her keychain. Uh, that contained the key that opened the first safe, which had nothing of evidentiary value in it. And it was Miss Sanders uh, who testified against Mr. Spencer at trial uh, that had access to the safes. And she indicated that uh, during her direct testimony um, at trial. So I think that what makes this case different
1: was from she a cooperating the... witness i'm sorry was she a cooperating witness had she, had she been charged and
2: she had not been charged her honor uh, she had been involved in some of the offense conduct uh, she had uh, conducted some of the deliveries on mr spencer's behalf uh, but she had not been charged she was not a co-defendant in the case she could be potentially con- uh, considered a co-conspirator uh, but she wasn't a co-defendant. And what, this case, what makes this case different from cases in which the court has uh, affirmed these convictions under similar circumstances, in other words, where a defendant's purported contraband is found basically in another person's home, uh, usually in the case of uh, a significant other or family member, there is direct testimony from that person that that was in fact uh, the, uh, the item belonging to the defendant. And oftentimes, as the Cruz Court stated uh, in 2002, the eyewitness testimony is also coupled with forensic or physical evidence. And in this particular case, we have no eyewitness testimony from Ms. Manley or Ms. Sanders. Implicating that implicating Mr. Spencer as the one who possessed the ammunition that was found in the safe, so that makes this uh, case distinguishable from Boyd, McCracken, Perkins, and Holmes, uh, which are cases that I've cited here. So you you have a case rather where uh, this case is like the Ways case, where you have uh, where you have contraband that's located in the girlfriend's home in the basement in a, in a can, um, and you have no direct testimony from uh, the girlfriend that the ammunition that was found in the can was the defendant's. It's all um, it's all basically circumstantial at that point, and there's nothing directly uh, directly connecting to him to that.
1: Of course, in ways, the discussion of that count where after we had affirmed the conviction of three other counts and there's no uh, indication that the reversal on this particular count, count, which we called a close call, had any impact on sentencing. Well, that's so, true. So it's, and, it's not dicta, but it's not the strongest and precedent. I mean I mean,
2: to be perfectly blunt, even if this court reverses this conviction, it's not going to impact his sentence either. But having a conviction for a 922 G offense is going to impact uh, how he does his time uh, in prison. So it's not it's not something that um, that is in effect harmless. Uh, it does have real world consequences for Mr. Spencer, and I think that it also. Has real-world consequences for other defendants uh, if this court issues uh, a published decision with respect to the ways in which individuals can be held accountable uh, for items that are located in other people's homes that they may have no uh, knowledge or control of
0: so she miss miss Sanders is the best testimony about this safe and she says that she didn't access it. She doesn't know how her paperwork got in there. But she doesn't say that was uh, Mr. Spencer's safe or that is Mr. Spencer's. Does she, uh, does she put it on him at all?
2: Here are the four things that Ms. Sanders says. She says she's familiar with the safe belonging to Spencer, a safe. She was not familiar with the ammunition or magazines that were found in a safe. She did not know how the mail with her name on it got into the safe. And that she has personal access to the safes, but did not access the safe with the ammunition and magazines in it. And that she had never seen those items before. All of those uh, statements are contained within uh, pages 152 to 154 of the trial record.
0: And we have no prints... We have no one else putting Mr. Spencer with this safe.
2: No, Your Honor. Uh, we have no forensic evidence. The only evidence that's tying Mr. Spencer to the safe is the fact that he indicated that there was a safe at Miss Manley's home. He believed that there were weapons in it. And that's essentially it. There was the... Uh, utility bill in Miss Manley's house was in Mr. Spencer's name. But the trial testimony shows that Mr. Spencer had been living with Miss Sanders at a different residence for three to four years. So it could have been that the, and of course this is speculative, that the utility bill had been in Mr. Spans- Spencer's name at one time, and that it was just never taken out of his name. And, in fact, if the bills had been paid, then there wouldn't be any reason not to. So I am reaching the end of my time, so I will conclude. Well, I
1: have a question. In your, in your view, does the fact that it was a bench trial affect the, this issue? Well, Your Honor, the fact that it was a bench trial, uh,
2: the judge is presumed to the, to know the law. Um, and this, and is, this
1: is a fact-finding? That's correct. Um, but okay, so it's clear error of view Well, your honor, yeah, and, the, and and the judge, in, from our perspective, should be viewed like a jury. In this particular issue,
2: on this particular case, I mean, to be to be sure, I the think that's or, true. I'm just making sure. Yeah, the standard. I'm not, or, I'm not
1: missing something.
2: <laughs> no, no. The the judge. It was a bench trial, and um, and. The the court's fact finding should be treated the same as a jury's fact finding. As far as the standard of re- review here, though, uh, it would be de but novo.
1: The court doesn't have to make doesn't have to write out findings, right?
2: No, but the court did in this particular case uh, recite the court's reasoning for why uh, it believed that Mr. Spencer was guilty on this count. Thank you. There are no further questions I will conclude. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Good morning, may it please the court. My name is Tori Schneider, and I represent the United States. Taking uh, the evidence in a light most favorable to the verdict in this case and the inferences, there is sufficient evidence to prove this offense beyond a reasonable doubt. I would like to correct a couple of things. Um, First of all, in response to Your Honor's question, Judge Menendez, um, the law enforcement did not ask Mr. Spencer about the safes after finding them. Um, What had happened was Sergeant Furlong had conducted his initial interview with Mr. Mr. Spencer, (coughs) obtained this information about what they would find at Ms. Manley's house. They then went to execute that warrant. In the meantime, Detective Carter sat with Mr. Spencer and they had the conversation in which Mr. Spencer discussed there's two guns over there and had that conversation. And then they then notified Detective Carter no guns were here. And so it was just sort of a relay between law enforcement. They didn't then have another interview with Mr. Spencer Uh, about the the safes that were found.
0: So whether it was formal or not, I I didn't remember that there was a post-conversation. That's why I asked. They didn't then go back and say, hey, we found two, or hey, we found ammo in one, but not the one with the key. There was no clearing up of the question marks. There was not. Okay,
3: thank you for clarifying that. Yes, thank you. The... I believe that the best evidence, uh, and I think Your Honor's question was, what is the best testimony about these safes? The government's position is that the best evidence about these safes would be um, Exhibit 92B, uh, the, the interview uh, with Mr. Spencer, in which he, when Sergeant Furlong is asking him, hey, we're going to go over to this other residence, what are we going to find there? And Mr. Spencer indicates there's a thousand dollars there in a safe, and I'll admit I did not do a very good job of highlighting this fact in my brief. But in the safe with the ammunition and Ms. Sanders' indicia is a thousand dollars. So when the law enforcement in this in safe
0: too, as I've been thinking about it.
3: Sure. Yes, Your Honor. Okay. With the, the safe with the contraband is the $1,000 that Mr. Spencer said initially is they were going to find. And that is what started the whole conversation about the safes. So that, and then when asked where are these safes, that's when he says, in my bedroom closet. And then Sergeant Furlong says, so in her bedroom closet. And Mr. Spencer says, no, in my bedroom closet. And
0: But it was never, you just slipped into plural. You said conversation about these safes. It was only ever
3: singular, right? Safe. With Mr. Spencer, yes, that is correct. Thank you. Uh, Because one of the other things I did want to correct is that Ms. Sanders' testimony at trial, she did admit to knowing about both safes. But yes, Mr. Uh, Spencer did only refer to One safe, he did admit that it could be accessed with a key or a combination, and if you look at the photos in Exhibits 99 and and 101, you'll see that that is also the case. Uh, The key that the law enforcement obtained did not open that safe, safe number two, as your honor is considering it. Um, The key opened the other safe that didn't contain anything of evidentiary value. However, this safe containing the contraband, the ammunition, could have been opened with either a key or a combination, as Mr. Spencer um, accurately described. Did, was they ever, did they ever find the key to the second safe? T- they did not. Uh, and so then. At, then when, uh, after Mr. Spencer corrected law enforcement saying, it's in my bedroom closet, uh, the law enforcement said, okay, so besides the safe inside your bedroom closet, is there anything else we'll find in your bedroom? And that's when he says, there's a weapon, I'm not sure what kind, it's been a long time. At the end of this uh, recording, at the end of Exhibit 92B, uh, Mr. Spencer says... In fact, we just got that place. So in contradiction to what Mr. Neiman just posited, that perhaps these utilities have been in his name for some time, that's just not true. Um, Mr. Spencer admitted we, himself and Ms. Manley, had just gotten that residence. He put the utilities in his name. Not here to talk about His choices of living with Ms. Sanders and also whatever his relationship was with Ms. Manley. The fact of the matter is that this is clearly a secondary residence for Mr. Spencer. There is joint occupancy, and so, um, you know, dominion and control uh, needs to be shown in some other way. And here it is through the defendant's admitted knowledge. He brought. He is the one who brought up the a, a safe. He brought up the thousand dollars that was found. He brought up of his belief that he thought a weapon to the first officer, a weapon to the second officer, two weapons. When he was told that they were not found there, he said, "Well, I could have sold them. It's been it's been a long time. It's been a while." As the district court found, what was actually in one of the safes was ammunition or two separate types of firearms. And so this case is clearly distinguishable from ways in Ramos, but specifically ways and as Judge Loken you noted, I was going to note, this court in ways said that was a close call. And here we have so much more. In ways that was a secondary residence, there was some evidence that he stayed there occasionally here we have utilities in Mr. Spencer's name, Mr.
1: Well. Well, you, well there's a turn about it, fair play. Also, you cite, oh, this is Patton, not Ways, and Patton was a supervised release revocation case where the preponderance standard was emphasized in affirming. Yes, Your Honor. So that ain't the best.
3: Absolutely, Your Honor. I I expected that question. Um, however, given the fact-intensive um, nature of this type of a, of uh, issue. I wanted to emphasize that those facts, granted, yes, at a lower, lower standard, um, th- that those facts are more akin it, to this case. Um, however, in ways that being a close call, here we have so much more. So if Waze was a close call, this has to overcome that, um, that threshold, Your Honor. In Waze, there was no evidence tying him to ways to the space where the contraband was found or knowledge of the contraband. In here, we obviously have Mr. Spencer tied not only to the space that it was found, but also to the knowledge. I mean, he knew the safes, at least a safe was there. He knew what was in it because he said they would find $1,000 and there was $1,000 there. And he said, We have a key to a safe. Now, the key went to the other safe. But he said we have it here at the residence. It was on a key ring that Ms. Sanders provided. So what we have here, your honors, is joint constructive possession. There's no uh, dispute that Ms. Sanders had um, access to that to the safes. She testified as much, um, and so the fact that she also had access and had admitted to having access doesn't take anything away from Mr. Sander, Mr. Spencer's uh, knowledge or access. At trial, was she asked where the, where the, where's the key for the second state? No, Your Honor. She was asked if she knew the combination. So, and
1: so joint well, the joint here may be three, four, five, six people because somebody had the key. It well, was access... Unless, well, I, I, unless one of them hid it, I suppose. But then why didn't why wasn't that
3: found out? It could also be accessed with a combination, Your Honor, not just a key. But, yeah. I'm a little, I'm not sure that it
0: matters, but I'm a little fascinated that Mr. Spencer would testify we just got that place and not remember that there were two safe. I mean, it feels like there's some something that I can't <laughs> tease out, that n- no accusation but wasn't really cleared up at the trial there's a safe that we have the key for. It is not the safe where the predicted $1,000 is. It doesn't respond to the key. And he is a recent... I can't, I can't understand this array of facts. And he only ever says safe over and over again.
3: So I think there's... I have two responses to that. Uh, one, I do wish that law enforcement would have uh, asked him further questions after um, discovering what was discovered uh, at Ms. Manley's residence. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, second response is, as Mr. Neiman um, indicated, Mr. Spencer is, at that time was almost 70 years old and was um, a lifelong heroin addict. And so while he... Um, Knew the the big parts of, of what was going on and could identify the important I would argue important aspects of this I think maybe some of the details got lost um, along the way. Thank you. Thank you. Was there
1: any attempt at trial to or to to link the ammunition with
3: guns? I mean, I su- was was it was it handgun ammunition? There was one was a hand there was handgun and rifle ammunition, Your Honor.
1: And. No witness testified about what guns it was used with.
3: No, Your Honor. No no firearms were located.
1: I know I know that it's a freestanding nine twenty-two ammunition by itself, but sometimes the linkage is important.
3: Thank you. The government would ask that you affirm. Thank, Thank you. you.
1: Is there a time? Mr. Neiman, I think we understand the issues. It's been well briefed and argued, and we will take it, we'll take it under advisement. Thank you, Council. Thank you. Does